Welcome to Our Missouri, a podcast about the people, places, culture, and history of the 114 counties and independent city of St. Louis that comprise the great state of Missouri. Each episode focuses on a topic related to the state, ranging from publications about Missouri's history to current projects undertaken by organizations to preserve and promote local institutions. The Our Missouri podcast is recorded at the Center for Missouri Studies in Columbia and is generously provided to you by the State Historical Society of Missouri. And now, here's your host, Sean Rost. Established in 1987 and celebrating its 35th anniversary in 2022, the National Women in Media Collection documents the roles women have played in media fields as employees and leaders, as well as the subjects of news coverage, how those roles have altered over time, and how attitudes of and towards women have changed. The collection includes records of women's organizations and professional and personal papers of women journalists, editors, book authors, newspaper and magazine publishers, media company CEOs, journalism and mass communication educators, press secretaries, and public relations personnel, as well as radio, television, film producers, and personalities. To celebrate this important anniversary and to coincide with the opening of the new National Women in Media exhibit in the Winokur Family Corridor Gallery at the Center for Missouri Studies, the Our Missouri podcast dedicates its summer series to the women featured within the collection and exhibit, as well as the journalists, scholars, archivists, and librarians who have pioneered and preserved its materials. The next step for the National Women in Media Collection are to bring together manuscripts, videos, audio, and personal papers centering on the period 1964 to today. The enormous changes for women across the world in that 60-year period prompts archivists, librarians, historians, and scholars to bring many new stories and subjects into the collection from diverse media industries, institutions, and innovators, as well as underrepresented groups of people. In today's episode, we'll look at the creation and development of the new exhibit, In Their Own Words, celebrating the National Women in Media Collection, which will be featured at the Winokur Family Corridor Gallery in the Center for Missouri Studies in Columbia from July to December 2022. Our guests are four members of the State Historical Society staff who were guest curators on the exhibit. Elizabeth Engel, Senior Archivist, Laura Jolly, Assistant Director of Manuscripts, Alexander Kimlin, Manuscript Specialist, and Heather Richmond, Senior Archivist. Welcome to our Missouri. Hello, Sean. Hello, Sean. Hi, thanks for having us. Okay, so talk about uh, your primary responsibilities on the exhibit. I had a little bit of the 1970s and the 80s and the 90s. So I got to start with that story of Betsy Wade um, and Joan Cook, who uh, worked for the New York Times, and they were a part of the uh, lawsuit against the Times, their uh, discrimination case against that newspaper. So that was a fun place to start and to learn about that story. And then the 80s and 90s, just because those are my decades, that was really fun to to research, um, got to dive back into the Jean Gaddy Wilson papers, which I processed myself, so it was fun to revisit that material um, and uh, see what she had to say. She had a lot of interesting things to say about women in media and her papers. I worked quite a bit with some of the earlier uh, women in journalism, uh, the Mize sisters who were uh, newspaper owners and produce their newspaper entirely themselves. That was a pretty interesting story. I didn't know a lot about them um, before I kind of started diving into it. I looked into uh, Laura Redden Searing. Um, she uh, was a 19th century journalist who wrote under a male pseudonym. Um, that was pretty common at the time. And then Mary Paxton Keeley, whose collection I had processed, so again, I 
like Laura, I got the opportunity to kind of dive back into someone I knew well. Uh, she was the first woman uh, to graduate from the J School here at University of Missouri. Mm -hmm. um, and then I had a couple of later 19 women from the 1980s, Donna Allen and Rose N. Nolan. Uh, was, she was another uh, collection that I had processed. So we did kind of focus a little bit on um, what we were familiar with, but then we also got to learn some new things too. So when we uh, first uh, started this project, we ended up kind of creating a chronology of the decades and what women fit into what decades and kind of divvied up the assignments. And so my assignment was to um, do the 1940s to the 1960s. And so that started with Marge Paxson and uh, World War II era. Uh, and Marge um, is one of the ones who helped found the collection. And as everybody's saying, actually got to process her papers. So it was fun to actually dive in because when you're processing papers, you don't necessarily get to read all of the letters. And so I got to go through all her 1940s correspondence where she's working in uh, Omaha and she's doing really well at her job. And then the war ends and um, she gets to train her replacement because that's what happened uh, after World War II. Um, all of the men came back from the war and then a lot of the women who'd kind of Rosen up in the ranks during the war, um, kind of got pushed aside or fired or left their jobs. So, uh, and then I worked on uh, the 1950s and 60s portion of the exhibit, um, which is really the story of the Miami Herald and the change of women's pages and the Penny Missouri Awards and how they just swept the awards because they were so good at what they were doing. And there were so many women on that team at the Miami Herald that were just sort of re-envisioning what women's pages could look like um, in those years. And then I also got to do some of the uh, Vietnam War part of the exhibit with uh, Anne McKay and Tad Bartimus. And that was what I, I did on the exhibit. For my portion of the exhibit, I worked on Lucille Blueford, Sarah Lockwood Williams, and New Directions for Women. The Sarah Lockwood Williams was really fun because I had already written the historic Missourians on her. So I had a little bit of an intimate knowledge of her life um, and I was able to dive a little bit deeper for that portion of the exhibit. Lucille Blueford, kind of the same idea. I had done some research requests about her. I knew about her vaguely, her denial of admission to the J school in the 1930s, but I didn't know exactly to the extent and how many times she was actually denied um, to the J school. We have a lot of women overcoming things in this exhibit, but Lucille Blueford, I think, is one example of more of the struggle struggles that women encountered in journalism. Um, New Directions for Women was another section that I did focusing on the 1970s and feminism and this rise of feminist uh, newspapers and magazines um, and how they're mantra kind of changed over time as feminism changed in the 1970s and 80s. Um, so those are the three sections that I worked on. The exhibit is called In Their Own Words. Um, so how did this concept of their own words really come forth overall uh, as the exhibit was developing and even in its origins? Um, well, the In Their Own Words, it was just sort of kind of a brainstorming session that I had with um, Christina George, who's on our uh, communications team, and we were trying to think of what is the concept for this uh, exhibit when we're thinking about we're going to celebrate 35 years of the National Women in Media Collection. And a lot of exhibits, 
you don't necessarily have the voices of the people who are in the exhibit. And I really wanted to give the women in, in this collection their voices back and let them tell their own story. Um, so that was where the initial concept came up was in their own words. So we decided to really focus on quotes and then the, the images and visuals came later because um, we really wanted to highlight their own words and then try to contextualize it you know, a little bit, but mostly let them speak um, what had happened to them. Um, that's where the, the concept came from. You know, I think that um, when Liz put that idea forward, um, I thought it was a really interesting idea because we, as a manuscript repository, the whole point of saving these manuscripts is so that you can get those first-hand accounts, how people are actually feeling, what they're actually doing, and how they're dealing with problems. We could have done an exhibit where we're just all reading a bunch of books and a bunch of articles and kind of regurgitating that women's movement history, but we're a manuscript repository. So for those people who aren't going to ever come to us and do research, they're not going to write a book, they're not going to write a dissertation, this is an opportunity to come in and see what manuscripts actually look like. This is what you're going to find in personal correspondence and business correspondence in the oral history interviews that were conducted. Um, this is the kind of material we take care of every day, and now we have it as an exhibit. And so those first-hand accounts are showcased rather than just staff doing research and summarizing you know, what, what we discover that way, which is how a lot of exhibits, I think, are created. Yeah, it gives people the opportunity to take the primary sources and make their own decisions about um, how they feel about them and kind of come to their own conclusions. So we're not telling them exactly what to think. Um, we've kind of just laid everything out there for them. So as a historian, before being an archivist, as a historian, that's ultimately what we wanted to focus on. Take the primary source information and try and make something out of that rather than just reading secondary sources. Mm-hmm. I've already had the um, experience. I had a tour with a small group of people, and we were we were at the exhibit, and they were looking at the Christine Kraft story, um, the the story of a woman who was demoted. She actually quit rather than be demoted because of um, uh, she wasn't deferential enough and wasn't attractive enough to be on television, um, according to her managers. Um, and so she sued her, the network or the uh, the news group. And now all of a sudden, all these people are recounting the stories of their mothers and their grandmothers or even themselves about how they were told to dress when they started working, um, you know, how their grandmother had to quit work when they became married or pregnant. I mean, it just it just got a conversation going, just, just reading that one story about Christine Kraft on our wall. <laughs> so I thought that was really interesting, and I hope that's what, you know, people get out of it. Yeah, we've even had um, a student come in who is interested in looking at the National Women in Media collection just from looking at the exhibit um, at this point. It has sparked her interest, you know, seeing all those quotes. Mm-hmm. She wanted to learn more. Yeah, that's what we're trying to do. For, for each of you in developing this exhibit, going through these materials, do you have a favorite? What part of the exhibit is your individual favorite? Or is there one? I guess 
overall, I like the design. We, we worked with this uh, designer out of St. Louis who had done uh, an exhibit uh, for our bicentennial last year, and her name is Allie Holycross. And she, she created some mood boards for us, um, and we picked one. I mean, it's kind of this sort of 70s retro kind of look with these, like, stripes. And I just love the way it it just highlights the material because most of the material, the images, you know, they're black and white or sepia tones, and so it just brings that out. So I, I love the just look of it. I think that's my favorite part of it. I also, it's kind of fun, um, one of um, the quotes that we use is from uh, audio recording um, from Anne Bryan Mariana McKay who worked um, for the Overseas Weekly during the Vietnam War and we actually there's a little QR code on the exhibit where you can like hold up your phone and then you can listen to the actual recording of her uh, and so you can get a little more context to the quote where she's talking about working in Vietnam um, and you can kind of hear the glasses like clinking in the background as they're sitting around just chatting. <laughs> Yeah, we did tell Allie to channel the 70s and think about women in the newsroom and coffee and typewriters and cigarette smoke and try to just get into that frame of mind. I really enjoyed hearing about everybody else's research as they were going through their own collections. Um, I remember when Liz was going through the packs and stuff and reading her letters when she lost her position um, when the men started coming back from the war and what she was saying about that. Um, we, we all know that story. I mean, every, I think everyone knows that story, that that happened. But um, to, to read it the way she, her, her frustration that that happened to her um, was interesting to me. Aren't we digitizing those letters, Heather? Oh, the Marge Paxson. Um, we are. We're in the process of scanning them right now, in fact. Um, to go online eventually in the National Women in Media digital collection. So outside of the overall kind of retro feel that the exhibit has, I particularly like a few of the images from um, the New Directions for Women collection. There's this really big 10-year cumulative index paste-up that we have on the exhibit. We also have a couple pictures of some of the um, writers and editors like working on the paper together, like you know, show, showing the paste up to each other. It kind of shows women in action working on this on this paper. Um, and the paste up kind of shows the, not the final product of the paper, but kind of in motion, like how that back cover was developed. We also have a copy of the original masthead in that part of the exhibit. And once again, that kind of shows like the the gritty side of things. It was. It's not just the final product of what the first issue looked like. It's somebody literally drew this masthead um, and ended up in one of our collections. And it was only used for, I think, one or two issues. Um, and we have that, which it, uh, I think is pretty cool. And visually, it just looks really great. Yeah, that new directions for women paste up is one of my favorite things, too. I really love how the... Um, the, specifically the, the manuscript items, the print items, came out um, in this sort of oversized venue, how they look, um, just the, the sort of, you get that such a good feel for them, I feel like. Um, yeah, I, that's one of my favorite, and more surprising things that came out of it, you know, finally seeing the final product, and just like, wow, that, that looks really good. <laughs> We touched on this a little bit so far, but what do you hope that visitors 
take away from this exhibit? You mentioned Christine Kraft and, and certainly the conversations mm -hmm. about that presently, but in developing this exhibit and putting it on a showcase here in the Winokur Family Corridor Gallery, what is your hope for the visitors and their interaction with it? You know, again, I, I, we, we know the women's movement happened. I mean, the majority of the population lived it. They were there. They saw it with their own eyes. But to actually come here and get this close to the actual information out of their papers, I, I'm hoping it will impact them more than just sort of knowing about it in the abstract. Um, you know, we didn't do this exhibit to berate and condemn all men in the nation. <laughs> it's that, that wasn't the goal. Uh, it, was, it was, you know, it's always to educate and to let people know that this did in fact happen and this is what how people felt and this is what people did in reaction to how they felt. Um, so it's just life. And I think that when you're reading it from their own perspective in their own words, um, I, I think it does have a larger impact um, than just merely, I don't know, reading an article in Times Magazine um, about this topic. Uh, so I, I do hope that people feel a little closer to the topic and think about their daughters and their mothers and their grandmothers and, and what that was like. And then maybe just, you know, learn from it and take what they can from that and apply it to their own lives in some positive way. I think another thing people can take away from this is that it it's not all women encountering issues and overcoming them. There are struggles shown in the exhibit, but there are also places where the end of the story isn't always the most positive thing. Um, it's not just, oh, this woman um, was told she had to quit her job because she wasn't attractive enough, and you know she fought back and she won, and how wonderful was that? It's Lucille Bluford applying to the university like 13 or 17 times or something like that. Um, and being denied every single time, tell, being told she should go to Lincoln University. And it wasn't until probably 50 or 60 years later that Mizzou gave her an honorary degree um, that they finally recognized that that was something that they shouldn't have done. So it's this ongoing story, and it's not all positive. Um, and I think it's as it continues today, we can still see those positive and negative things, um, women encountering struggles and not being able to overcome them. Um, so there's kind of these ebbs and flows you can see in the exhibit, and I think that also reflects our manuscripts as well, that not everything is nicely tied up. Yeah, and I think that something that the exhibit can really give people, kind of going off on what Laura was saying, um, the, the intimacy of seeing people's words, especially if they were written um, not for public consumption, right? Like a letter written to a friend expressing, you know, anguish about not being paid the same as your male counterparts. Or um, some of the, some of them are, are kind of, just shows some personality um, of these women, you know, just like some of the letters are kind of like, oh my gosh, I just about peed my pants. I was so excited, you know. <laughs> um, it just really shows who these women are. It shows their struggles, um, and yeah, and just their um, their personalities. I guess um, what I hope they take away is just the richness of 
the stories that we have in the National Women in Media Collection and just the broad spectrum of experiences of these women and we just covered 1890s to 1990s we did like we haven't even like covered the last 30 years um and we had so much that we had to cut out I think I had like 11 pages of single like space (laughs) quotes (laughs) I think maybe like you know a tenth of them got into the exhibit there's just so much and this is just a tiny amount of the kinds of stories that we have what then is the future of the National Women in Media Collection? Where do we go from here? What materials might be added? What's the future for the collection? Well, we're definitely still collecting, and I feel like the future is we want to be more inclusive. Um, definitely uh, more women of color, more LGBTQ journalists. I think those are you know, definitely things that we want to collect and um, just to make the collection even more rich than it currently is. So yeah, I think I think the future is bright, and I hope this uh, exhibit invigorates people's interest and um, just the realization of the importance of collecting this history and donating it. Um, and so I, I'm excited to see what happens. Yeah. I do hope that we get um, uh, some diversity in our future collecting. I'd also like to just see... Um, The different positions, I think one thing that we learned going through the papers and um, developing this exhibit is this uh, this understanding that women, in fact, were always in this field. It um, It was a field like teaching or nursing where women were there, um, and they're really there in the 70s and 80s and 90s. They're just not able to move up the ladder. They were stopped um, from progressing and getting that upward mobility. And so that's where your lawsuits come in. That's where the fight is. Um, But they're doing all sorts of things. They're behind camera, in front of the camera, um, editing, writing, producing. And um, it'd be nice to see um, more of the, you know, the, the variety of, of tasks and jobs that are in journalism in all, um, in all media outlets, what those jobs were and what, what their personal papers look like from all this, these interesting roles that they played in getting the news out. I hope that this exhibit inspires people to maybe talk to their aunts or their mothers, their grandmothers who worked in this industry and never thought that their papers could be something that would end up at a repository like ours. And they, they can. So maybe the people will come to, I think we have a couple events lined up um, surrounding the exhibit. Um, hopefully people will start thinking about, maybe I do have stuff that I might want to deposit and it will um, help enrich the collection that we already have with the different kinds of positions like Laura was talking about um, from different sorts of populations, hopefully underrepresented, marginalized communities. Um, I think all these people's papers would um, bolster the collection. I like that um, point of um, that it could inspire others uh, to donate. You know, I think a lot of people think, oh, I'm, you know, not anybody important. I'm not famous. You know, why would why would my papers be anything that somebody would want to collect for posterity? Um, and that's that couldn't be farther from the truth. You know, we want the papers of ordinary individuals, people who are not necessarily high up in the ladder. You know, as Laura was saying, uh, we want to represent, you know, all of the 
as as a former um, employee here used to say, you know, sort of the people's history of Missouri. Um, so, yeah, don't uh, yeah, we don't want people thinking that they shouldn't donate just because they're not quote unquote important. I could probably try to find my scrapbook that I created when I was the editor of my paper my senior year of high school. <laughs> I think I still have that somewhere. You guys probably don't want to see that, though. <laughs> well, thank you all very much for joining us today. Thank you. Thanks, Thanks Sean. Sean. Thanks. Thank you for listening to the R Missouri podcast. If you would like to learn more about the podcast, including past and future episodes, information about guests and upcoming events, please visit our website at shsmo.org forward slash our dash Missouri. <laughs>